Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening, everybody. Um, tonight, uh, well, sorry, I have to introduce the show. This is Kelly Outdoors. <laughs> I'm having a brain fart here. Uh, this is uh, this is Kelly Outdoors, and we are coming up quickly on our one year anniversary. Can you believe that? Been doing this for almost a year. Good Lord Almighty. Anyway, we have a very special guest with us tonight. It's Butch Richenbach from RNT Calls. And Butch will be joining us here in just a few minutes. I've got I got a few announcements I got to get out here, and and then we're going to run with this. Okay, so you guys uh, sit down, use the restroom, whatever you need to do, get ready because this is going to be an awesome next hour and a half uh, with Butch. All right. First of all, we got a we got a real big event here in Wichita, and it's the first of its kind in this part of the world. And it's going to be out at the Hartman Center this the uh, Hartman Arena this next weekend. Um, it's Extreme Sports. Uh, they're they're doing uh, an outdoor show, and it's going to be family oriented. So, you know, it's going to be one of those things that they normally don't have these kind of things around here. I mean, they have outdoor shows, but not like this. Um, the details there's a lot more of them available on my website if you want to go check there or check them out on Facebook. They're all over the place on Facebook, and uh, it's Extreme Sports, and they are doing an awesome show this week here in Wichita at the Hartman Arena. So if you get a chance to get out there. Uh, Take a look at what what's going on. It's going to be Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Uh, a next big shout out to all the guys out on the refuge. I appreciate all your help, all your input, all the things you've uh, suggested that I do. Um, I haven't done all of them, obviously, because I'm still alive. Uh, but I appreciate all the input on the shows and stuff, guys. Um, we've got some big things coming up in the next few weeks. I'm just going to give you a rundown of, of the next five weeks of guests here. Okay. We've got Wayne Betts, we've got Joe Coulter, we've got Kent Cullum, we've got Bobby Hayes, and we've got Todd Aloffs coming on. That's just the next five weeks. Um, after that, I've got a whole slug of folks, including one of the guys from Duck Commander. Okay, uh, No, it's not the old man, and no, it's not Willie. It's it's the fun one. Okay, uh, He's going to be with us, and that's going to be in October. We have got quite a full schedule running up and through December. Um, going to be some awesome people, but right now... I've got I've got a guy here that is probably the uh, gosh I, do I do I dare say living legend I will you know uh, anybody that knows anything about duck calls and never heard about duck calls knows about RNT uh, this is the man that started it way back he started off learning it from Chick Majors when he was a kid uh, and Chick taught him everything he knows and then he took what he learned from Chick and ran with it and the guy has got more. Uh, people using his calls and competitions around the United States than any other call maker on on the face of the earth. Okay, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Um, you know how McDonald's is the 800-pound gorilla in the food industry? Well, R&T is basically the 800-pound gorilla in the call industry, and this is the guy that started it all. Butch, welcome to the show. It is a true pleasure having you on, sir. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, let's let's start off with you. Telling everybody uh, how you got started in this business. I mean, just <laughs> when you were a kid, just let her go, man. Have at it. Oh uh, shoot! Uh, when I was a kid, I got started. By, I just happened to live right next across the street from Chick Majors. Uh, made the Dixie Mallard duck call back when I was five years old. That was back in the Stone Ages. Back when I was five, it was fifty-eight years ago. And he lived right across the street, and he made duck calls and. I got over there, went to going over to his house every afternoon, and he started teaching me to blow duck call. I'd be sitting on his doorstep when he would get off from work. In his back of his house in the backyard, he had a little old bitty shop. It's probably about 10 by 10 with a wood stove in it. 
and that's where he made his duck calls back then. I think they sold at the time when I was about five. They sold, I think, about five dollars or seven and a half. They finally got up to seven and a half, and he started teaching me how to blow a duck call when I was five years old. And uh, I was just, I just met him. In fact, they thought I was part of the family. I'd been there so long, and. <laughs> Of course, I was like a shadow. I was, you know how most little kids are. They get there and they get their nose are standing right over your shoulder every time you turn around. And I was right there standing over your shoulder watching everything he did when he was working on the lathe. I watched him drill the wood, watched him cut the wood. I watched him turn it on the lathe. I watched every little move he made. And when he'd tune a duck call, he had a jig he'd put it in. And he'd always put it in a certain spot. And then he'd take that hand drill and drill it right on down through. It wasn't like it is now. And he'd drill it through a certain, he had a little marker where he'd mark where he'd go to. Of course, I watched all these little moves, and then he'd take the call and he'd blow it. If it didn't blow the way he wanted, he'd take his hand on the sandpaper. He had a little sandpaper on a piece of glass he put on a, on his little workbench, and he'd sand on the front of that call, and, and then he'd get the sound he wanted, and he'd put that thing together, and he'd say, he'd make the duck calls, and then at the end, he would dip them all and put them together. Of course, me, I had to try them, too. Mm-hmm. I couldn't let him just try them and me not try them. You know how a little kid is. So I had to do it, too. And, of course, he gave me my little duck call lesson started out teaching me how to do hut. And, and I said, hut. And he said, no, you can't talk in the call. Now you got to blow. You hut, that's the word. But you got to use air. So it's really like that. Just, and I said, oh, I started doing that. And so the only thing I ever did was just take and do a hut, hut, hut. And he worked me up like that. And then on a feed call, and he just taught me to do tucka, tucka, tucka. And... Of course, I heard them guys uptown do it, and they were doing it fast. Of course, I was a hard-headed little rascal, and a mean little rascal when I was little. And <laughs> I was always in trouble, the little blonde-headed guy running around. Was, You're kidding me. Was big trouble, but, you know, me. Medium trouble, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was the meanie around. And of course, I had duck call with me everywhere I went. And, of course, I carried it with me. I mean, everywhere, school, everywhere else. That's why I got in trouble most of the time blowing duck call. Uh-huh. I'd be on my bicycle, I'd be riding around town, I'd ride down Main Street, and I'd be riding down Main Street blowing a duck call. You know how they say now, I take a duck call, and how they drive their parents crazy? Mm-hmm. Well, I drove the town crazy. Because <laughs> I'd just ride around, and, and everywhere I went on my bicycle, I had the duck call, and I was blowing the duck call and riding the bicycle down Main Street. And that's what I did, and I blew it at home. Of course, Mama made me go out back. Right. I had to go out in the backyard and blow it. Well, that didn't do nothing to make the neighbors mad, but I did it anyway. And that's how it all started, and, you know, and I watched him from the time I was five until the day he passed away. And he taught me he taught me everything that he knew about making a duck call, how to make it, how to tune it, the different things to do to it to make it sound different ways, what you do if a call sticking, what you do to, to stop that and this, that, and the other, all these little integral things that's in there, which is really hard to explain. And... You know, and I was just interested in blowing it. And, uh, of course, when I was 11, he taught me, and I, he took a duck call. And I used to blow hard. I mean, he just put a reed in it, and I blew it. I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't have to worry about cutting it off. And, you know, that's how young was. That's how much air I had. And I just blew that thing. So one day, he cut the reed off on the thing for me. And he said, I blew it, and the first thing that come out of it was a squeal. <laughs> What come out of it? <laughs> I can't blow that. He said, "Oh yeah, you can blow that." And he said, "Cause that duck all gonna hang right there, and every day when you come in here, you're gonna blow it till you learn to blow it that way." And that's how I, he got me to blow where I didn't blow so hard, and that's where the duck call stayed until I got to where I could blow it. And then he let me start carrying it with me. Mm-hmm. And 
Chick majored with something else. He always he took care of the kids and stuff, and that's the way I do. I take care of the kids and stuff. He died. I just followed in his footsteps, I guess. I figured that's what he probably meant for me to do. Mm-hmm. That, and then as I got older, and you know, and they, they was rumors around, you know, I was going to make duck calls, and he asked me, I wasn't about to make duck calls while he's alive, because you didn't do things like that back then. That wasn't the way I was raised. I mean, you right. just didn't do that. And so after he passed away, and then they were several that wanted me to. The main one that wanted me to make them was uh, Mary McCollum, Max Prairie Wings. He really got me into it. And that first one I made, I just made as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Out of when I worked at the youth center. I ran the youth center for 25 years. Started making duck calls out there in 1976. No, it was really 1975 when I started making them. And uh, the calls I made was in the little shop right beside the youth center, and there was a tractor, and there wasn't nothing in there. I had a little lathe in there. It didn't have no fan or nothing. I'd make the duck calls, and then I'd make them. The first one I made, I gave to a guy. For I gave it to a person named Jimmy Jim Willett. He wanted to give a kid a duck call, and I just gave it to him. I signed it and dated it and numbered it and everything. It was the very first one I made, and that guy got it. And the bad thing about that is, well, about 10 or 12 years later, that guy talked, called me wanting to know if I wanted to buy it. And, of course, he told me how much he wanted for it. And said, <laughs> when he told me how much he wanted for it, I don't want to buy, pay that much money for a duck call. I'm still kicking myself in the butt for that. Wait, was it the same guy you gave it to? Yeah. I could have got it back. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't pay that money for it. Well, you, you know what you just did? Yeah, you I just, just let fortune go away. I know what Well, I that and the fact that you just gave that guy's name away, and there's going to be people Googling that guy's name all over the Internet. Oh, that, every, that, I just gave the guy's name away that I gave it to you. And they ain't going to talk to him because he's passed away a long time ago. Well, it's not going to keep everybody named Jim Willett from getting a phone call in the next 72 hours. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> well, it's out there, I can tell you that. Oh, man. I better, I'm trying to get my hands on it. Well, okay, so... You, you made your first, how many calls would you say that you made at first before you started selling them? Oh, I didn't make that many before I started selling them, probably maybe 50, 100. And then I started selling them. I think the first ones I sold was, I think, $10 a piece. That's a long way for me to remember back in 1975, but I think it was $10 a piece. And uh, now we make one now that was copied uh or is a duplicate of the seventh one that I made. It's what's what we call the old style. That's what they looked like when I first started. And then they evolved into the one with the lip on it. And we got a pretty good collection of them here in the shop. John has a real good collection of them. You know, John Stevens. And that, in fact, uh, I started giving lessons. Before I started making duck calls, actually, the way it all started, was, you know, Chick was still alive in 1969. When I went to work at the youth center, that was the first year where I put on a clinic. It's the youth center for the kids. Uh, and the way we did it then was uh, six years old through 12, and uh, I think it was 12. But uh, put the clinic on and had to sign up for the clinic and held it every year. And we'd, we'd start it in October and hold it up to almost uh, right in December, uh, about 16 lessons, uh, four days a week, and uh, charged them. I think back then we started it. The charge was, I think, was five dollars back then at the youth center. And the first time I held them in '69, we had a hundred and a little over a hundred and some kids take the lessons. And I broke them down into groups. We'd try them all. And of course, I had Sophie. She helped me, and Chick. And Chick set up a 
chick did set up and did the tuning of the calls and stuff. And of course, uh, of course, everybody around here blue chick uh, major's duck call. And Sophie, she helped me. And uh, we did uh, lessons out there at the clinic. We break them down in what we call beginners. Those are people who don't know how to blow at all. They're first people, first year people. Mm-hmm. And then in the second group, we called it the seventh. The second group was the semi-advanced group. We named them because they knew how to blow some, so that was the second group. And the third group was what we called advanced. They was the better blower. And what we would do, we would take the beginners, and we'd have about a 30-minute class with the beginners, and then after that would come in the other group. They would show up. We didn't have them all out there at one time. They had their own little time, say, like 5.30 to 6, and then 6 to 6.30, and then uh, 6.30 to 7. And that went on out at the youth center until I left in 1993, uh, uh, I think. And then uh, the clinic was put on by the chamber of me putting it on. We put it on at the school gym. And we had to cut the numbers down because we didn't have the space, the numbers that I could take. Now it's been held at the shop, uh, here at this, this shop, for the last 10 years right here at uh, R&T Shop in, our, in the room where we do the making of the duck calls, and we break it down, and it's limited to 50, but we never have just 50. You usually end up with 60 or more. Mm-hmm. And it's got beginners in the semi-advanced and advanced, and that's where we start teaching them below the duck call. Hmm. Hey, I just got a real real fast question for you. Um, we've got a lot of people that are listening in right now, obviously, and just want to say hi to everybody, and thanks for tuning into the show. Um, but we'll have people calling in later. Uh, are, are you fine with taking a few phone calls off, uh, during the show? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just want to just want to make sure I forgot to ask you that earlier, and you know I just didn't want to spring anything on you. You know how bowed up you get. Anyway. Oh uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm just cantankerous. That's what they say anyway. <laughs> well, so you did that clinic from 1960 what? 1969. This will be the 40th year this year. Wow. How many kids would you say that you that you've taught to blow a duck call over those years? Goodness, <laughs> four or five thousand. Every bit of that, and probably more of just kids. And I don't know. There's no way for me to really tell. I just uh, you could take an average probably on that on that forty years there and average it out. It's probably about that would be probably just through the clinic probably four thousand. Good God. Through the clinic, and that's just local people in a little old 25-mile area here. I have people that come down now that drive four hours on Saturdays and come in, and uh, they, the out-of-town people, they come down on Saturdays, and I do them on Saturdays here at the shop. I come mm-hmm. out between uh, at 11.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturdays when I'm here and give lessons to kids. And I got this past weekend, I had one drove nine hours come down here just to, just to get a lesson, be here for 30 what, what does it cost for lessons down there now for the clinic? What are they charging now? Yeah. Oh, we charge $10. $10 for, for a four-hour clinic? For 16, 16 lessons. 16 lessons. Uh-huh. That's about 50 cents a lesson, 75 that's cents a, a lesson, something like that. That's pretty good. But that's not the thing. At the, end of the cl- at the end of the thing, we have a contest right. of uh, the people in the clinic only. Nobody's allowed in except the people take these lessons. Right. And we have it uptown on the Main Street, and we have it on Wednesday night, night before Thanksgiving. And we give first, second, and third place to each division, beginner, semi-advanced, advanced in the boys, and also in the girls. We have girls, believe it or not, to take them, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
we give that, and everybody that takes part in the clinic gets at the end. It costs them $10. They get those 16 lessons. And then the first, second, third place winner gets a trophy, which our first place trophy is, is not that big. We don't we don't go overboard with it. And then everybody that takes a lesson and blows it, but they got to blow in the contest to get it, gets a little packet. So everybody's a winner. And then that packet will be anywhere from 60 to to $100 worth of stuff that everybody gets that takes the, the, that blows in that little contest and uh, and everybody blows in the contest because they're going to get that little packet. So they pay ten they pay ten dollars to the chamber. That's not to me. I don't get that. Chamber of Commerce gets that. Mm-hmm. That goes to the Chamber of Commerce. I do that. We do this free. Mm-hmm. Rich and Tone has nothing to do with the, the money thing. What Rich and Tone does is we put on the lessons, and then at the end of the thing we give them hats and then uh, the DVDs or CDs. And stuff like that, and little uh, uh, at the end of the thing, you have a drawing. They give away a duck call, three duck calls, acrylics, the hundred thirty dollar ones. If we draw those people that blew in it, I take the number of the beginners. And one beginner is going to win one, one semi advanced, and one advanced is going to win one. And I draw for that. And uh, so everybody takes a lesson is going to come out a winner. So it's not really a con- I call it a test, and not a contest. But our judges are all. Usually, most of them are all qualified for the world to judge that little contest. And they'll have probably anywhere from three to 400 people up there and watch, that, watch those little kids because they got their grandmas and their grandpas and their mamas and their daddies and their brothers and their sisters all come up there. And that's what Rich and Tone puts that on every, uh, for the last 10 years. Rich and Tone, we put that on. And John, he comes up with the stuff and does a good job of that. If it wasn't for John uh, doing that, it wouldn't be as big as it is. Uh-huh. And they wouldn't have the prizes they have. Well, that sounds like a pretty awesome deal. I mean, Oh, yeah, we make sure every kid, every kid goes away a winner. Uh-huh. There's no losers. Well, I think it's I think it's nice that you're giving John credit for that, but let's just, you know, let's just boil it down to hard, cold facts. Uh, you're the one that started it 40 years ago. He's just kind of following in the footsteps of a, of a of kind of a legacy thing here. You know, and uh, I mean, it's nice that he's stepping up and doing it. But I mean, honestly, that what, what you're doing for that deal is just unbelievable. That's just that's a great deal. I don't care who you. Are. That's a good deal. First of all, I wouldn't want to deal with that many kids 16 times in a row for any amount of money. You know, that's just back when I had the heart trouble. When I had the heart trouble, uh, it was two or three years. I can't remember. Three or, might have been three years ago. I can't remember. No, I fell. I was at the house and I was putting in a. <laughs> Uh, like a dummy, you know, I've got congestive heart failure, and i got a lot of business being up on a chair, putting in a, a plastic chair at that, putting in a light bulb out on the front porch. Oh, good. And I put a light out on the front porch, and all of a sudden I get dizzy, and I fall off of that chair. And, uh, of course, there, I have to, uh, it's, I slip my fall, and what I do, I break my ankle. So I can't come out to do the lessons. So that year, John had to do the lessons. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so he 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 done the lessons that year. Him and Rusty and Jimbo and them all pitched in, and they did them lessons, and they did a heck of a job with it that mm-hmm. year. And uh, that was the year I couldn't do it, and I couldn't even be up there. But I mean, I, I only got to do the lessons the first week, I think, and then they had to do it the rest of the week. And you know, I had to call John to come get me, take me out to the emergency room, and I found out I had a broken ankle. And where was I for the next three weeks? I was at home, couldn't even move. Hmm. The heart problem and stuff like that. That congestive heart failure and stuff. And uh, then, this is something you told me yesterday that that a lot of people I don't know if they know it or not, but uh, here about three years ago you had to have a heart transplant. 
I yep. mean, you were that you were that close to to heading on to the pearly gates. You had to have a heart transplant. It was a, about a week away, doctor. I'd have probably maybe a week before I got the call. They put me on the list. I was on the list. They put me on the list seven days before I got it. And uh, I mean, I was at home. I was being hit with that defibrillator, and I, most people don't know what a defibrillator is. That thing is the same thing as them paddles they put on you, and it knocks the fire out from under you. Mm-hmm. And it was knocking the fire out from under me quite often. In fact, I stayed. I was probably grounded to the house for at least two or three months. I wouldn't let it go anywhere hardly. I mean, I could get to come out here, but I couldn't do nothing. I just sat there, and then it got down to it got so bad that I had about a they about a week left. They got that they they figured I'd last maybe another week, and then one Wednesday I was just sitting in the at the porch on August ninth, you know, two o six. On the front porch, has a glass in front porch. You're watching the traffic, just what I did, and the action across the street. That was my whole day's affair that I did all day. And my sister-in-law, she came. She she stayed with me that whole time and took care of me because, you know, I was out by myself. And uh, so as I sat there, and, uh, and then about I was kind of snoozing, taking a nap on the front porch, and about my cell phone went off. I had this beeper you're supposed to do. She didn't. The nurse, who's nurse Nancy. Hastings at the Baptist Hospital. Instead of beeping me on the beeper, she called me on the telephone. And when I looked at the cell phone, it showed Nurse Nancy because I had it in my phone. Mm-hmm. It said Nurse Nancy, and I said, Nurse Nancy, where's my heart? And she said, How fast can you get here? And I says, You mean you got me one? She says, Yeah. I says, Is it a good one? She said, Yeah. She says, How fast do you get here? And I said, Pretty damn fast. And so I got over there and. John and Jim and God, I don't know who all showed up at the hospital that night, and they stayed all stayed till after the surgery. Surgery went they started it. They went out just as I got to the hospital. The the helicopter was leaving to go get the heart because they was just going to get it, and I went into surgery at eight and got out at one thirty, and got lucky. I got a thirty year old heart. That's awesome. And a sixty. The three-year-old bodies. So that's sort of like putting a Cadillac engine in a Model T frame. <laughs> but I feel a whole lot better. I wouldn't be here now, and I wouldn't be been putting on these lessons the last three years. And and John and them all stood behind, stayed with me, and everything. And so you know, you got the John, Jimbo, and those boys. You can't. They were there when I need them. In fact, the, the funny part about the deal is the doctor came out of the. Cause I called John back when he won the Worlds in the 205. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the beard and the, and the long hair, and I called him Jesus. <laughs> and, of course, when he came, he come into the, I was wheeling me down to the operating room, and uh, I looked up, and there come John down through there, and I looked up, and I said, everything going to be okay now. Jesus is here. And, of course, my surgeon wasn't there when this all went on. Uh-huh. So when I go into the operating room, my, the surgeon, after he gets through, comes out and talks to my sister-in-law, and, and he tells her, he says, boy, he, he, your, your brother-in-law, he's real religious, and he says, she said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, the whole time we were trying to put him under, he kept saying, if everything's going to be okay, Jesus is here. I said, that's all he's saying. <laughs> so, I guess Jesus was there. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. Yeah, and I don't know how, because the surgeon wasn't there when I called John Jesus. 
Oh, um, man. That's pretty good. Cool. Lord, he, works, he does work mysteriously, you know. Yeah, he does, you know, yep. and uh, there's a lot of times when, uh, you know, we after we go through an ordeal like this, you know, um, we're well, all happy and thankful and keep in touch, and then all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, well, I'll get back with you later when things start getting rocky again. You know, you I'm don't, or you really appreciate life you get to where I was. Oh, I can imagine. Now, when I you get to where I, you know, I smoked and all that, and let me give you, tell you something, don't smoke. Yeah. I know all about it. I can tell you all about all that stuff. And and I can be just frank with you. I don't know the deal, but I'm just tell you, don't. I ain't touched one, and I quit about six months before that, or three months before that, and uh, and hadn't had one since, and don't want one. Hadn't even wanted one. Well, that's good. There ain't no way I'm going to interfere with this this heart that probably cost about five hundred thousand dollars when it was all said and done. Yeah. The tests, one of the tests I had to do cost ten. Holy snakes. time you did it, and I had it uh, four times. Of course, we had this fund. They had a fundraiser that raised money that paid paid for that, plus the insurance paid. Uh, the insurance wouldn't pay all for the transplant either. So the what I did is applied for aid with the hospital and, uh, you know, and got that set to where it could be taken care of and stuff. Where did you have the fundraiser at? Man, I was lucky to get one. Where, where did you have the fundraiser at? Here in Stuttgart. And it was and just local people that chipped in and, and, and gave into that thing? People, yeah, local people and uh, people from that I knew from all around that uh, came to there and did that. And, you know, we auctioned one duck call off, and there ain't one of them out there. And they brought in they brought in 3000 by itself. And uh, I think it raised about $70,000. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I think that's... Uh... That's pretty incredible, but when you think about all the people that you've helped all the years that you were yeah. doing the, the clinics and the kids that you worked with in, in baseball and, and uh, the kids down there at the rec center, it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, yeah. people, 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 they remember things like that. And, you know, when those people that, that are in need uh, are facing times of tribulation and stuff, those people that they helped in the years past are usually the first ones there on a doorstep knocking on the door offering to help out. And I don't know how many uh, kids I helped and stuff, and you know, I could I could have been I could I could have had a lot of money if I'd have paid and made duck calls, but I was busy coaching baseball and running the youth center and taking care of the kids and everything. And then I'd go into shopping and I'd work to three or four o'clock in the morning. That's another thing that didn't help my heart any, all that stress and stuff. So you know, and then it just got down to when it got down to finally. Uh, First heart attack was 1984 at open heart surgery in 1984 on May 22nd. And that one I was in the hospital and died four times that day. And uh, I was the first person to ride on the helicopter. They just got it at Baptist Hospital. And I was the very first patient they had in 1984. Uh, fortunately, they had it because they they got me back. When they got me back, I only had the heartbeat was 10, 10 per minute. In other words, it was just barely pumping. When they think they had me, they started me out to the helicopter. And they got me almost there, and I went again, so they had to rush me back, and they brought me back again. And then they got me on the helicopter, and then they had to bring me back on the helicopter. They had to pop me back together again. And then when I got to Baptist <laughs> Hospital, Dr. Boger was my doctor, and they got me in there. Then I went again, and they said, well, I was as young and healthy looking as I was. So they just went ahead and did open heart surgery on me. Uh-huh. I had bypasses. And 1994, 
turned around and I had another heart attack and had to have open heart surgery again. The other three veins, uh, I guess they decided they wanted to go bad, so I went through that again. And uh, then um, after that one, about uh, that was 1994, and that was on November 29th. I know when that was. It was the day after the World Duck Calling Contest. And, you know, the funny thing is that so I had that heart attack, and then just made it right on along good and fair, and then uh, had stents put in, in uh, sometime in 2000 by Dr. Christie. He was the one that took care of me. The one that kept me alive while I was waiting on this, it hadn't been for him, the one I really owe a lot to, and the cardiologist uh, is Dr. Morgan here in, in Stuttgart. Uh, he's the one that took care of me. He kept me alive and got me to where I was. And, you know, and the people here at the shop, they took care of me too. They made sure. So it all come out to the best, I guess. And then they said I had to have a transplant, and they did the, did the test I was going on every week and getting uh, an infusion of stuff for the heart. Mm-hmm. And they finally got so bad. When they put that black bag on you with that 24-hour deal that you take home with you and you have to change and you have to have home health come changed, and that means you're at the top of the list. But, well, I got the bag. Mm-hmm. And that put me at the top of the list. That meant the next good heart. Well, they turned down. They turned. One day I was over there getting the medicine, and they put it in, and they helped me because they said thought they had a heart. And, well, then the doctor stayed there all after day waiting on that to see what they was going to do. Well, they decided not to use that heart mm-hmm. because it wasn't just – if they'd have had to use it, if it had just been, you know, like I was when I got the last one, then they would have used it. But it wasn't a, a real, real good match. But the one I got must be real good. It's been all zeros for three years, and zeros means there's no no rejection. Well, good. So now you're able to get back out and, and do your duck calling, and you actually get to get out and do a little hunting now, right? Like uh, this last year, I got I got to go a few times. The year before, I got to go once. Mm-hmm. One time, I went. Uh, John and Jimbo took me out to their reservoir. I got to go that last day of the season. They took me. I got to go out there, and believe it or not, I killed a speck. Really? We, like, we went duck hunting. We killed specks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I killed me. I killed. I killed two specks. I know, and uh, or I'm pretty sure I did anyway. And that, that year, I only got to go that one time. Doctor let me go that last day, and uh-huh. then uh, last year, the second year, that was the second year. First year, I couldn't go at all. Wouldn't let me go any. Right. So that was right after I had to, in August, and they, I couldn't go. I had a mask on. I come in the shop. I had to wear a mask in the shop. And the week of the duck calling contest, I was out here with a mask tuned at duck calls, and I'd have to, they'd have to chew the cork for me to put it in, and one of them had to chew the cork, and I'd put it in and fix the reed, cut it, and then hand it to them, and they had to blow it because I couldn't blow it. And I had to have a mask because when you have transplants, you have to wear a mask because you can't, you got to be careful not catch anything. Right. And went through that ordeal. Of course, I got out of that mask, and then it was a little while before I could really get back at it again. And then I got back at it. And come back out to the shop and shoot. Everything was going good. Good. Still is. Hopefully, it stays that way. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're able to stick around for a while longer. You know. Well, not near as glad as I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. That's probably true. But uh, you know, um, I know you said that when you started having all the problems with the heart issues, uh, that's when you decided it was time for you to sell the company. And how long how long ago did you do that? 
That was, um, well, let's see. I think in uh, May of 1999, and it, it just happened, you know, I couldn't do very much. And it was, John come in and, to, and uh, you know, and he decided instead of farming, he wanted to make duck calls, which that was, that was what I wanted him to do in the first place. But, you know, he had to make that, and he just did. And he come in and made me an offer, and it's, and I went right along with it, and I I'm here, and and he's the business, and he's what made it where it's at right now. It's, hmm. He's what made it big. Without him, it never got this big. So that's what he did before he before he decided to to lose control of his mind. Uh, he used to be a farmer. Well, he he probably thinks he lost control of his mind, you know, because he got all the headaches, and I mean, a lot of headaches in his business. Oh and yeah, he has to do all of that. But he he you know John John done done one heck of a job with the business. I mean, he took it from that little bitty shop, and he brought it out here, and and you know he's tied up his he's tied up his whole life into this thing, mm-hmm. and put a lot of money into it, and you know, and it has to it has to produce to make the duck calls and stuff. John, that's that's the best thing I ever did was turn it over to John. I mean, he does he does like he he, he just good at marketing and stuff, mm-hmm. and. You know, and then Jimbo, he got Jimbo there, and Jimbo and Rusty. Rusty takes care of all of the the inventory and all that stuff. And Jimbo, he's in charge of the filming and and the public relations and all that. And you can't ask for a fire guy on the public relations and then Jimbo. Mm-hmm. You know, and John, he didn't. Well, if it hadn't been for John, I guess I probably wouldn't. This wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be here. Right. Because he come in just at the right time, because that was when the heart started. It really started going bad then, and I couldn't put the time in it it took, and he just made me an offer, and I took it. Cool. He, I mean, I started started a business, and he's got it where it is now, as big as it is. I mean, he's the one who got it there. Right. Well, I think I think it's it's yeah he's he's got it to where it's big now, but. You know, I think you need to give yourself a little credit. I mean, you kind of you kind of gave yourself an opportunity there for great things to happen. You know, yeah. um, I mean, you got first of all, you started getting all them kids sucked into the into the <laughs> into the duck calling business, and you know, once once you had a bunch of those little idiots running around the town on their bicycle blowing duck calls, you know, the rest is just history. I mean, you know, you had you created a legion of followers there. But well, I changed the way duck calls was. I, I know that. Well, you know, let's let's get back to that for just a few minutes because you know, I'd like to, I'd kind of like to get an idea where some of those original duck calls you made are at, so I can start. They're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'll tell you what, we've got a phone call right now. I'm going to go ahead and go to this caller. It's going to be area code six one six. So, caller, I'm putting you on the air. Hopefully, you're going to be here in a second. All right, caller six, area code six one six. You're on the air. Hello? Yeah. Right. Yeah, this yeah, is I, Well, I guess, I guess the caller decided to freak out and leave. So oh. <laughs> Anyway, well, the caller dropped off. Anyhow, let's go back to when you were making calls, okay, when Chick was making calls and stuff. Was there anybody else coming over to the shop and learning from him? Or, I mean, were you pretty much the only the only person around there learning how to make calls from him? Or I was the only one probably really learning, watching what he was doing. And I didn't know I was going to make duck calls. Then. I was just watching. I was just a typical Typical snowsy little kid, right? Just you know, and he, he taught me how to tune. I even tuned my own. I even helped him tune. Some people would come in when he'd be busy and do that. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But 
he, he showed me all in trifurity. He showed me how to do it for some reason. Right. And, you know, I didn't really realize that till you know, after I'd won the champion champions in 1975. Mm-hmm. I thought about making them before, before that, too. He passed away in 73. But I won all the contests blowing his call, so I blew, I, I wouldn't make them till after. And that's what I did. All of the uh, contests I won was with his call. Well, you know, we, we talked about a little bit of that last night. And, you know, the one thing that you made a comment about, and that's the, the lack of loyalty with, with some people these days. You know, when somebody spends the time helping you and teaching you and training you and, and doing things for you, um, you know, I guess you, you hit the nail right on the head, brought up in a different era, brought up in a different generation, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, that's just crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it's crazy, all right. It seems like everything's crazy right now. Yeah. I don't know, you know. I was just brought up different, I guess, you know. Well, we're going to try. i tell you what. This caller's back on here. We're going to try this one more time and see if we can get him on here. Okay. Are you there, area code 616? Yeah. All right. You got a call? You got a question for Butch? Yeah. What's it take to be a good contest caller? Yeah, I don't know. You got to, you got to have a good routine, and you need a good coach. Somebody to help you that goes out of the routine together for you. Throw one out. Huh? Are you there, Aaron? Put, show, show me the parts. All right, you got a call. You got a question for Butch? Yeah. What's it take to be a good contest caller? Hey, I, I, uh, hey, caller. Yeah. Could you do me a favor? You need to turn the volume down on your computer because it's getting feedback in here. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. You don't. You don't want to listen to yourself while you're on the phone. <laughs> no. Uh, All right. Now, did you hear you his answer? Up? What's that? No. No. I can hang up. All right, are you done with your Do you have any more questions? Is he going to go through a routine? Is he going to go through a routine? I'm going to I'm going to see if I can beg him to do that, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for calling in, man. You want me okay. to do what? Oh, you know, you're you're just one of these kind of guys that everybody wants to know if you're going to blow a duck call on here tonight. I mentioned it to somebody that you might and my god, you know, I better get John. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can do it. We don't need. I didn't John even know the guy to blow a duck call. <laughs> we don't need John in here slobbering up the place. You can handle it. <laughs> I need to get somebody to know how to blow this thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, I can do it. No, probably. I mean, if if you'd like to blow one here in a little bit, that would be fine. But but right now, I want to kind of get back to this whole deal with chick majors and and how you got to learning how to do calls and stuff. And and you know, we were talking about that last night. That. Uh, uh, the woods that you guys were using, or that he was using, well, primarily what were the woods that you guys were using back when, when he was making calls? Cedar, walnut, uh, and cherry, and boar's dark. And it was the boar dark you used back then, you probably can't hardly even find nowadays with fence posts. It wasn't the tree like they use now. Most of, What you're seeing now is tree because it's real yellow. Mm-hmm. The bulldog back then wasn't yellow. It was it was a yellowish, uh, brownish yellow fence post because it had been the railroad companies used to use it along the railroad tracks to keep cattle from coming across the railroad when the train was coming down. And, they, you know, they had barbed wire fence down along the railroad tracks, and what they used for posting was then cut in a, in a like a triangle shape, and it was bulldog uh, that they cut up, and they used it as posts because bulldog won't hardly, you know, you'd stay there. It had been in the ground 50 years. Right, sixty, and the part down below the ground would be green. Mm-hmm. That's where the green board board out came from. Right, the yellow, 
or the brownish stuff come from above that uh, the ground. Right. And it talk about hard when it was set out in that weather. Now it was hard. I'm talking hard. Oh yeah, they, I know. People think Bodark now is hard. Bodark uh, post is hard. I know. I cut my fingers off. Uh, not off. Well, they sewed them back on. I cut them off twice uh, in table saw, cutting Bodark up that post up into square to make a duck call out of. Mm-hmm. And so I can tell you how hard that stuff was. But that's what I've got. I've out. got a stack of those things out here beside my garage. Bodark uh, post and yep. uh, a lot of them down around uh, and mostly. In, they had to be in ground where it was wet. They was put in like the ditches alongside the railroad track. Right. And that would be muddy. It was usually a grayish mud. Right. And you could probably still find some, maybe if you're lucky. But they made the best call. Now you get old, uh, old uh, hit, uh, Bodog fence post. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. You can get a good call out of it. Of course, it's there in the it Boris the Ark is the way it is. It's B O I S and then a D with a. Uh, Mark behind it and then arc, and it's a French a French word. It's, uh, some people call it hedge apple because it's right. a short piece or Osage orange. Yeah, that's what we call it over here where I live. Osage orange. Yeah, but uh, French name for it's Bois d'Arc. Yeah, this stuff is. You know, you're right. As, as far as how hard it is, I can I can cut a a hedge tree with a chainsaw, not a problem. But you start cutting on one of those old fence posts with a chainsaw, and you will see sparks flying. You actually think you're going through a staple. And it's not a staple. It's just the the wood is is so hard and it's mineralized from soaking up the stuff in the soil. That oh, it's, it's hard. Like, it's harder than the bulldog tree. Oh man, it's it's like cutting. Yeah, all that wind, weather, and that heat, and you know, and they burnt the grass and all that's come up through there. And you talk about cured. Yeah. Your piece of wood cured as good as it's cured. Well, you know what I got? I got a whole stack of that stuff out here, like I said, beside the shop, and uh, I. Th- there's a little beetle that, that likes to eat on those things. And I've yep. never seen one of those beetles, but I tell you what, that's got to be the toughest beetle on the civilized free world. Because <laughs> He's not going to eat you into that wood. I don't want to see. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you don't want him getting on you. If he can eat through that bodock, you sure don't want him getting on oh, you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be part evil, you know, but. That's a fact. <laughs> man. Anyway. Um, that was the main wood back then. It was uh, cedar. Cedar made a real makes a real good hunting call because it's mellow. Right. And uh, of course, it, it, the cedar cedar combination you had some of them, but it was mainly cedar with a walnut barrel because the walnut was harder and wouldn't split. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then you told me you were probably one of the first people that ever started using coca bola. What what possessed you to try that stuff out? I just found it in the book and thought I'd try it. <laughs> I don't know that I was. I, uh-huh. I mean, I'd never seen a coca bola duck call. Of course, I. There's a lot of people made duck calls out around the country I'd never seen before. All I'd seen those people around here, none of them, chick, none of them ever used coca bowl or anything. They just, the only one I knew of foreign wood was they'd used was uh, ebony and uh, uh, rosewood. Mm-hmm. But the coca bowl, I just found in this wood book, and so I said I would try it, and I ordered it, and I messed up. <laughs> you got it in planks is what you got it. Now you can buy it in sticks. Right. Like a plank, great old big plank, so I ordered a plank. Well, I just, you know, I cut it up on the table saw, and I just... Cut out so many barrels and so many ends. Well, I found out that ain't the way you do it, because you can't match it. You got to cut out one whole length, nine mm-hmm. inches, and, and uh, one for the end and one for the barrel. That way they match. Right. Well, and, and it's real hard. It's a real hard wood, but it's real oily, and makes a pretty duck call. And uh, there's there's Nicaraguan and then there's Mexican, 
and uh, they come some come down Mexico and then out of Nicaragua, and either one, one of them has I can't remember whether it's uh, Nicaragua. I think it's in, it's Nicaragua, and I think it might be the Mexican that has the orange and stuff in it. It's different colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the the stuff that I made got that started making that everybody wanted Coca-Cola duck on. Right. But now a lot of allergic to Coca-Cola. Oh yeah, and I, I was telling you the other day I got a I got a boatload of the stuff from a guy that that bought a bunch of it and found out he was allergic to it, so he sold it. They're not allergic to the They're allergic to the dust. Right. When they get when they when they work it, it gets on them and they're allergic to it. And some are the same as we were talking the other night. Some some people are allergic to walnut too for the same reason. Exactly. But now once you put a you put a finish on it, you don't. If you put a finish on it, then you're all right because you seal the oil in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Hey, I got a real quick question here. One of the guys on the on the on the chat room, um, he's asking in regards to Main Street calling. What are a few things that you can practice to speed up your calling? More specifically, your highball and your feed. And then he goes on to say, Are there any uh, tips on how to practice transitions? Yeah. Okay. You uh, first thing you do, you practice your routine by pieces. Don't practice a routine. Practice a piece. If you want to speed up your routine, I mean your transition where you try to go, go from a feed call into the comeback call, then you come out of the feed call and you just work on it. And then you do that over and over and over and over and over and over and over. That just take each piece, each segment. I call them pieces. I break them. That's the way I teach it, by pieces. First string, uh-huh. second string, third, first set, second set, they are exactly alike. The third set is two together, and the fourth set is two or three together. Some people do two, some do three, and then or you can do if you do three, then that would be your just four sets. If you do two sets and two sets, and then you would do one set would be five sets, and that in the hail call. Then you would do the feed call. You come out of the feed call to go into transition to the other. Then when you come out of it, you start off with just just four or five, just five, just and then the. You'll, after that, you'll just come into it faster, with, ring, 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 ring. and then you'll go hit it real hard, like, yeah, 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 and you put them three together. And then uh, you hit a, what they call a triple, triple comeback, what they call it now. We never used it when I blew. We didn't know. If we had blew the way they blow now, they just, they'd, they'd throw us off stage. <laughs> I mean, they would have. I mean, I, I might break somebody's mad dream. That's the way it was. Back then, you didn't blow that away. Right. But, that's how times have changed, and duck calls have changed, and calling ducks has changed. But I can show you what I'm talking about on the transition, maybe. If he's talking about, I'm presuming he's talking about transition, going from the feed call to the comeback call. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll read it to you again, exactly what he said. In regards to Main Street calling, what are a few things that you can practice to speed up your calling, more specifically your highball and feed? And part two to the above question, is there any tips on how to practice your transitions? Yeah. Okay. okay, well, you practice a transition, then I'd take that to mean he's coming out of his feed call going into his comeback call. Okay. That's the way I would take it. All right. Well, you're That's, you're the honcho what's in charge. Different, here, so different, different people interpret different things different ways. Right. But the way I'd interpret it, he's, he's talking about coming from the feed call to the to the comeback call. And the way you do that is you would just come out of the feed call into the, into the step-up. I call it a step-up. They call it a transition. Okay. But what you're doing is you're going from feed to comeback. That's why I'm saying I'm, I'm presuming that's what he's talking about. And if that's not what he's talking about, if he'll send you another thing, then I'm going to know more about what he's talking about. But 
but I can show you how what it's like. Yeah, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, I'd say the transition like. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. And you do that over and over and over mm-hmm. until you get it like you want it. Man, that sounded good. You want to do that again for me? <laughs> Except they got more wind than me, and they're going to blow that third string longer. Like right. I said, I need John to show that. He's got the air. I don't. <laughs> Dang, I'd, I'd love to have you in my blind any old day. <laughs> but, uh, man, I can show you how to practice. Uh, it's easier to show you than it is to tell you. Uh-huh. But I can show you I can show you the whole routine, uh, how to practice the whole thing. Right. But, uh, you know, you practice first. Your first string of hail call is that real long string. Well, you turn around and you do it exactly the same again, two times. Then you do one that's long. And you take him down, and you come back up and do one not quite as high, but almost, and bring him all the way down. That's what I call the third set. Uh-huh. And then the fourth set is the bottom, is where you get like the, like the duck. And this is the, you've done your first string and your second string, and then your third, your third. Everybody knows how to do the first two strings. All right, the, the third set should go something like this. <laughs> Like that. That should be the third set, and you would take that set and you would practice it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh-huh. And after that would come the ducker part, and you, the duck part, which would be like this. Just <laughs> and you would do that over and over and over until you got it like you wanted. If you did the two and then the one. Now, some people come in with a three at the bottom after the third set. And make it just the fourth set. What I did was just then was with the bottom with the fourth and the fifth. If the fourth set was a three. You would come out if you did your two. You would go. You would do it like like this right here. <laughs> then you go right into your feed call. Uh-huh. Then what you do in your feed call, your feed call, and you throw a few quacks in there, mix it up a little bit. You do a little uh, chuckle like. Uh, <laughs> And then you put a, probably put this in there because you temporarily lost him. Then you go back to the feed call. See, now you're ready to go into the comeback call. And that step up is what I showed you a while ago. And uh-huh. then the pull is three long strings together. Right. Which is, takes a lot of air. Which I showed you the step up, and here's the triple right here. Then you would turn around and you would do the, you would practice that over and over and over and over and over. And then you would turn around and then you would do the bottom just like you do on the hail call. You would go. If you used the two and the one or if you used the three like I did a while ago. Then after that, you would go back into the peak call to do the peak call. The second set, second peak call shouldn't be as long as the first peak call because you done showed your peak call. Right. Your second peak call, you would just do a little. <laughs> and then you would go into the lonesome duck or the mating call, which is three quacks, which is just. <laughs> <laughs> 
people at the end of that long-term duck call, they have a tendency to hit that too hard. And on Main Street calling, if you hit that too hard and you squeak it, the judge is going to knock off. So there's no reason, and I'll show you what I'm talking about, and everybody, I'm going to do this on purpose. I'm going to mess up on purpose so they'll know what I'm talking about. After you do the three quacks, and in that last part, they'll try to hit it like this. And there was a guy that lost the world one year on account of that. Man. He would have won it had he not did that, had he just did this. All you need to do, the judges already, you do the quack. Which is just like a duck. Mm-hmm. It'll be like a duck. Well, that squealing thing you did, that I want there, to tell you what, of, of all your routine that, that I was just listening to, uh-huh. I got that one down pat, that squeal. <laughs> well, this one guy was kicking himself, and he actually did it. He had it one, and he squawked right there. Oh, he man. One, and it cuts in the content. And there's no reason to hit a duck call that hard at the end. There's no reason at all. Right. There's none. But what you do is you do, like I said, to be a good Main Street caller, you got to take the pieces, and you practice each piece. And then after you get through practicing pieces, then blow you three or four routines. Okay. And you got to practice 30, 45 minutes every day. Well, I, the, the transition between each piece, okay, yeah. is, is, there, is there a key to going from one to the other so it's a faster transition so there's not that lag time? Oh, yeah, I got, I'd have to put that together for you. I'd have to blow it all at once, and then you'd see what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. You, you know, I know that you, 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 you told me last night you guys are coming out with an instructional DVD that you're going to be giving away with a, a call, correct? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's strictly a basics. On the okay. basic uh, the the quack and the feed call, just strictly for the beginner. Right. And uh, it's uh, coming out and going with the hunter call. Okay. The hunter is serious. If we make it, have the coca bola barrel and some molded insert that we uh, redo and make blow like the other calls. Real nice call. Uh-huh. And it'll have a CD in it. It's strictly the basics. It teaches you how to do the quack, the different words to say the quack, the different words to do the tukas. And then it, it demonstrates what it sounds like when you go putting those, those things in sequence. Okay. Now, it's not about Main Street or anything like that. All right. Well, for all these gazillions of people out there that are listening to this show and that will be listening to it again over the next several months, um, if they wanted to uh, get in some, some one-on-one training with you, how, how hard is that to arrange? How hard is what range? I said, how hard is that to arrange? If somebody oh, wants to come over there and take take some lessons from you, how how hard is that to set up? They just call me. That's it. Yeah. They don't have to. They don't have to go through your secretary and your your security people. Secretary. Man, I do that on Saturday. They call me. I I, I teach people over the phone, and then I, if they can make it down here once in a, every now and then, and then I get them started, and then they they call me back on the phone, and I list them on the phone, and. Put it together, and they need to, if they can make a trip down here. And I have, I have never charged anybody to teach them blow a duck call. Nobody. And and you don't mind teaching them even if they're not blowing an RNT? Nope. Okay. I just want to know because I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that would just, you know, love to sit down and, and talk to you and have you show them that kind of stuff, you know, one on one. You know. If it was me though, and I was going to ask somebody to teach me, I would blow their duck call. Well, yeah, that'd be the right thing to do. Yeah, but I don't know if he's young. <laughs> like I said, I was, I was raised a little different. Right, I understand. Well, you know, I had to kind of be subtle about it, but, you know, it would be a, probably a good idea if you showed up 
in, in, in the R&T <laughs> shop wanting Butch to work with you to have an R&T call, you know, just to be on the safe side, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'll bother me. Oh, Lord, that's good. That's good. <laughs> they come staggering in there with somebody else's call, but heck, you never know. I mean, what the heck? I mean, <laughs> pretty bad, though, you know, if I think somebody blew somebody else's call. <laughs> yeah. That would that would be good. That would be good. That would be a, a good moment. So, all right. You know what we were talking earlier about? Uh, you know the bands on calls and stuff. And you know I've I've mentioned this in other shows, and I'm going to say it again now. My dad, uh, he was born and raised during the Depression. You know, and uh, he was born in the 20s, actually the late 20s or mid 20s. And uh, by the time he was 17 years old, the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor, and he'd taken off and joined the Army Air Corps and was over in the South Pacific. Um, but during that time when he went hunting uh, with his brothers up in Minnesota, that was that was some serious stuff. I mean, it wasn't for sport. It was for, you know, hunting uh, to put food on the table kind of a deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back then, uh, anything you could do to keep those ducks from flaring, that's what you did. And one of the things us kids used to do uh, around the blind when Dad would take us, the first thing we would do would be picking up all the empties that we missed from the time before and uh, making sure there was nothing shiny or glinting around and like that. And then I see these guys now with all these calls with the bands on them and then um, the, the, uh, the the leg bands on the lanyards. And, you know, that's just, to me, that's just a little over the top. My, my dad would probably tell you to leave that crap in the truck, you know, and <laughs> and we're going to hunt ducks. You know, we're not we're not going to a fashion show, but that's just my dad. Um, bands well, on calls haven't been around all that no, long. I don't have no bands. I ain't never killed one with a band, believe it or not. Oh, I you know what? I believe it. I've I've shot a lot of ducks and I've never shot one with a band yet. You know? Some people or, can. or a goose with a band. Yeah, some people get they get some uh I don't know what I know gosh for the longest there because uh, John goes there every morning there when he guided out at uh, Russell's and or when he was younger and uh, and I know that he, that he killed some bands where he was. I know because he brought them mm-hmm. in and he killed him. His son killed one, I think, this year with the band on. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's I, pretty you cool. Be in the right place. I mean, there's just certain places like they are, and I guess I never was in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I just don't hang out with the right caliber of people. Heck, I, I, I always, back when I was a kid, I had a little rifle. I rode a bicycle down, and my mama, I had a single shot shotgun. She gave me three shells, and I had one decoy. And Mr. Belcher, he was uh, another person. Helped raise me, Johnny Belcher and Claire Belcher, and he gave me an old boat cushion, and uh, and I went out to this rice field, which was right out the edge of town, which right now has grown past. There was no houses or nothing over there. Really. I get me a duck every day, but I only had three shots, so I wasn't gonna kill any more than three. Of course, you ain't never seen me shoot. I was lucky to get the one because if I got the one, <laughs> eighteen. Yeah. Because I'm one of them one in twenty or twenty five, whatever's in a box. I'm one of them one in 20s. Right. I mean, you throw 20 ducks at me, they fly by, they dare me to shoot them because they know 19 of them is going to escape. Now, see, I'm like that with teal. You know, I'm not, I, no matter what it, I, take, I believe I could take I could take shotgun point this window in front of me here and I'd probably miss it. Really? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you and I went to the same shooting school. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, it's... Uh, Shooting teal and shooting dove is is probably one of the most humbling experiences of anybody's life, as far as I'm concerned. And and I've been humbled a lot by those little feathered rockets, you know. And dove oh, yeah. season here opens up the first part of September, and I I tell you what, every time that that goes on, everybody I know 
starts investing heavily in Remington and Federal shot shells, you know, because uh, the stock just skyrockets. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't oh, know man. about that. If you talk steel and wood duck, I'd probably be a one in 50. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd probably be one in 50. Oh, man. I'd fly too fast. Well, you know, what is it about wood ducks? Now, I know over there in your part of the world, you guys see a lot of those. We get a lot of them here, too, but they're not here for very long. And it's like, you know, the first ducks that, that come ripping through the decoys while you're standing out there is teal. And then right behind them, literally in the, in the wake of their, their vapor trail, is, is usually three to five wood ducks. They're just ripping through the decoys. They have no intention of setting down. And they just they just do that, and they don't do it when you're in the in the blind. They do it when you're standing in the decoys. It's just oh, and you got to be a good shot to get them because I got news for you. They come zooping through there. I know. I've got a long handled net. I'm going to use this year, so we'll see how that works. <laughs> I mean, the first time I when I joined the junior world, uh, won the junior world, with my, Mr. Belcher. I'd never been duck hunting before then. He took me duck hunting the next morning, and the prize first place prize winning the junior world was a 12 gauge, three inch magnum. Winchester Model 12. Well, I'm a little old bitty guy. The gun was bigger than I was. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm not, that ain't a joke. The gun was taller than me. And so I take that 12 gauge out there the next morning. Of course, back then, the blind, you know, they just had this little blind. You had this little chicken wire up there with some little uh, uh, tree limbs in it. And I'm sitting there, and of course, we get the duck. He calls the ducks in. And uh, that's how I learned to call ducks, because after we get through, he would make me stay. We would stay, and he would tell me what to do and when to do it and what to do. And we and just called ducks. They couldn't shoot them. We done had the limit. But he would show me how to to call them. That's how I learned how. But the first one to come in, it was a Drake, and he he wanted me to shoot. So I raised up that gun and I took my raised the gun up and I turned my head and I pulled the trigger and I killed the duck. But the bad thing about it is the gun kicked me right through the blind, right out, and there was a little thin ice ice on the water. Mm-hmm. I landed out in the water. Of course, fortunately, the water wasn't that deep at the time. But, I mean, you talk about one cold little boy. I was. And so the next morning, we took that gun. We traded it in for 20-gauge. <laughs> but it was one of the old Model 12s, and they kicked. Oh, yeah. The old 12s did back then. That was 1957, so you, you know how they kicked. I don't know if you know how bad them things kicked back then. I've got one right here. Yeah. I yeah, they'll, they'll put a thumping on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine what they put on a little bitty bitty 80-pound boy. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, my hat goes off to those old boys who used to use that Model 12 out there on the trap range, and they would go through four or 500 shells of a day. Those men had to have shoulders that looked like a mule just kicked the crap out of them. They used to use one of the old 12s. I don't know how he did it. Oh, man. You talk about flinch. He used to flinch. You pull that trigger, you just... Because you know you're just going to be seeing cross-eyed, you know. I'm one throwing a rock at him, and I would shoot. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, that's some good stuff there, you know. Um, I, had, I I don't know if you've ever done anything this stupid, but I want to share this with you. One time I, I had a 12-gauge fox that had twin triggers, right? And we were hunting pheasants, and this big old rooster got up in front of me, and I was shooting high base uh, seven and a half. And that, that shotgun threw a pattern that a mosquito couldn't get through. It had improved cylinder on one side and modified on the other, right? Mm. And, uh, and, yeah, and these pheasants, they'd get up, you know, 15, 20 yards out, and you hit them with that improved cylinder with that load of seven and a half, and, I mean, they'd just dust them. You know, they were done. The only way to kill a pheasant is put a pellet in their head. That's it, you know. Um, and, uh, of course, 
you know, I, I had both fingers on the trigger, and it was cold. It was one of those Kansas days where the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour, and it's 15 degrees out. And I mean, you're just freezing. You can't hardly really feel your fingers anyway. And uh, that little shotgun only had like a 26-inch or 24-inch 20, barrel on it. And I had just barely got it up to my shoulder when my numb fingers ripped both triggers at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that shotgun went straight up in the air hit me in the forehead, knocked me down on the ground. <laughs> I had a split from my nose almost up to my scalp. It was just I can wide imagine. open right above right above my eyeball there. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and uh, my, dad, my dad come walking over and he looked at him and he says, well, you ain't killed. Get up, let's go. We got burst of shit. <laughs> I know the feeling. Oh, there. man. I had blood all over me from one end to the other. It was I sad. Swear, I don't it's as cold as it did when I was a kid. It's the last time around when I was a kid. It was always thin layer of ice in the water. Uh-huh. We'd have to go out there and break ice around the decoys all the time. Of course, we used a jerk string. We didn't use these spinning ducks. We used jerk string. We had the jerk string. We had them. That was one of my jobs when I, Mr. Belcher took me. I had to pull the jerk string. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, and make the ducks. He'd get them going, and he'd say, pull it, and I'd pull the string. And that duck was about, they had about six or eight ducks on that string, and they'd come this way and then flop back the other way. Right. You had to be careful about how you let go of it. Let go of it too fast, they just jumped out across the water. You <laughs> took them in slow and then let them out slow. Yeah, the, the skipping ducks didn't work, huh? Uh-uh. Mm, I'll be darned. Hey, got a question for you. The, a gentleman on here wants to know, are you going to be at the DU contest in Memphis this year, or will there be any RNT reps there, or do you know? Uh, the DU contest, that's April. That's October th- uh, 3rd, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I believe it's October I didn't get invited. Third, I, I won't be because that is the same time that we have the festival right here at Max Prairie Wings. And I think they've got it. Up. I've seen it today, I think, on the Internet that it's October the 3rd. Okay. Uh, I, it, it, the DU contest is October 3rd. So the yeah. answer to that would probably be I won't be there, and uh, John won't be there, I'm pretty sure, and Jim will be there, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And I ain't going to say that one of our pro staff may not be there. There'd be some people there probably blowing our duck calls, yeah. Okay. And there's probably a few How, of the kids that'll be there. They'll go with their mamas, will take them. How far is it from you to uh, Real Foot? Hmm, about four, four hours, I think. Four so hours, that all? Might be, but it might be a little further than that. I ain't been there in a long time. It might be more like six. Right. It's somewhere between four and six, I would imagine. Okay, well, my wife and myself and our kids are all heading over there this year. This is going to be our first year to go to Real Foot, and I'm really kind of looking forward to they it. They have a contest there, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually planning on doing a, a live remote broadcast from the show. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna haul a bunch of calls over there and see if I can't, you know, uh, convince people to spend their kids' college money and, and buy a few of them. And, uh, <laughs> On the, on the way back from there, we are liable to stop in and visit you and uh, see you uh, at the come shop. On by. And uh, we'll be here, I'll be here, and John will be here, and Jim will be here, or we'll be over at Max at, at, the, at the counter one. Mm-hmm. We'll all be here, I'm pretty sure. Well, I, you know, Lord John, and, John and Jim's okay, but I really, you know, my, my <laughs> I'd rather see you, but that's okay. I'll take whatever's there, you know. What the heck? Oh yeah. Um, and your call, uh, signed by me, will be in the mail this next week. Okay. Okay. And uh, so, and you know, I just it's something I'm gonna make for you. I think you're gonna find it kind of interesting. It's kind of special, and I think you're gonna enjoy it because it'll kind of remind you of, of back in the days when you were making a few of them. Yeah. We'll uh, I've, I've managed to secure some of that uh, special cedar from Tennessee that you suggested. 
And, <laughs> oh, there you go. And I've got some very nicely figured uh, walnut burl that uh, will be doing the the, the uh, barrel for that. So it's going to be good for you. So um, just real quick, I've got a gentleman on here that's got a question about uh, a rolling feed call like uh, Jimbo does. That, I think that was his question. Uh, how do you do that? There's all kinds of rolling feeds. Roll is where you make it go fast. Right. Uh, most people, they are... But a roll is... That's a roll. Where you make it go fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I can't do it like Jimbo. I'd have to have Jimbo do Jimbo's. Right. It's just like I can't do John. John has beard to do John's. Okay. <laughs> But you know how to do butches, right? I know how to do butches. All right. Now, you, you told me something the other night, and I, I thought this was kind of cool. Um, we were talking about duck calls and blowing different duck calls, and you said you could make a, a single reed sound like a double reed and, and, you know, just all kinds of good stuff. And it was just like, well, how the heck do you do that? I'm serious. Well, the double reed's real raspy. Mm-hmm. Well, in other words, it's, it's easy. It's just like if, uh, if, if, well, let's just take, all right, let's take just take this. We're going to take this original right here. Okay. Now, if I'm going to blow it just like normal, like original, just like an original, just like, you know, they, a lot of people don't like the rasp in the duck call. Right. Yeah. Now, say I want it just a little bit rougher than that, I'm going to put a little bit of, <coughs> get in my throat. Okay. Like growl a little bit, like this. Right. See what I mean? Yeah. Now I want to rasp that. If I want to rasp for that, I'm gonna growl more like a mean dog. Like if I want to go, I'm exactly what I'm gonna say in that duck call. Now, if you want to do what I call a growly duck, that's where you're a mean pit bull out there, and he's got you cornered, and you know what they sound like when they got you cornered, like that. Mm-hmm. Then you just say like this. Double read. Cool. It makes the rasp. That's what a double read does. It rasps you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you have to get down in your throat, <laughs> and it'll make you cough sometimes. Cause I ain't done it in a long time. But you <laughs> see, I went from two different sounds right there. Mm-hmm. Went from one to the other. I just a regular old original. Now the we have a, a double read that's not as raspy, but it's a good double read. The Alpha Two. That uh, we came out with this year, the uh, it's just a real good one, right? Yeah, too. And this one, it's a. That's yeah, that's a double read right there. That Not sounded pretty loud. good for a double read. That had that had quite a quite a quite a high end on that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can come down when you can rear down. You could rear down on. It. That album too. It's a good one. Yeah, those are hard to get. I mean, you know, I know a good a good single read duck call is is worth its weight in gold. But I'll tell you what, a good double read in the hands of somebody that knows what they're doing is just you know around here. You know, I mean, we get a lot of ducks that have seen a lot of shooting, and the double reads seem to produce a lot better. You know, yeah. late in the season around here than the single reads yeah. do. But yeah, um, some people think they can't. You know, because if they blow a double read, they can't blow a single read. Well, the best thing to do is learn to blow a single read. If you blow a single read, you can blow a double read. Exactly. But if, 
blow a double reed, you can blow a single reed. They yeah. both blow exactly the same way. You just seen me do it. Right. I mean, here's the same. Here's a single reed. Now here's the double reed. And I blew them both the same way. Yep. Yeah. They. They. If you set your mind, you can't. Then you can't. Right. You decide you can. It's like I, you know, it's like I did did John when I was teaching him blow duck call. And I was showing him something doing the feed call, and he was trying to do it, and he told me he couldn't. So I took a little acrylic rod, and I had to pop him, just tap him a little bit on top of the head. Don't <laughs> ever tell me you can't do nothing. That you can't, can't, never could, never will, and never has. And that's why John right now has got a feed call that can, because he stayed with it till now he can do one. And if he didn't give up. When you decide you can't. used to whack John on the top of the head because he <laughs> I popped him on top of the head with a acrylic rod. I didn't hit him hard. I just, you know, just looked at like tap, like teacher used to do me in school. Did you? Did you nickname him Lumpy? Oh, you did knuckle on me, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Gingrich, and he don't buy. He come by, and I bet you know me. I told you I was always in trouble. Uh-huh. I was talking or cutting up or, or doing something, and he'd come by, and as he's walking down the aisle, he I'd be talking, and he'd take that knuckle on that index finger, and he'd take that knuckle, and he'd pop me right on top of the head with that thing. <laughs> That's why I ain't got no sense now. He knocked it out of me. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like quite like a good stick to get some kid's attention that ain't paying too much attention to. You no, know, each, each duck call has its own little purpose. You know, you, like your original, your original is for reaching out and it'll do everything. It'll go uh-huh. real high. And then your short barrels, it, it'll go high, but not the same high as original. It's not going to have that ring to it. And it's going to be more mellower. And then you got your. Uh, uh, timber call, that's going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to have a little light raft to it, a little bit like the short barrel, a little better. And then your daisy cutter, it's going to be a little louder and raspier. Uh-huh. And you have the, this micro hen, we call it. The, the micro hen is for the little short, whiny, kind of whiny stuff like. <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. That's what the, and the micro hen. That's sounds like a young hen mallard. Is that what it's supposed to be like? Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be like. Young right. hen mallard. And it, it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a real good one. It's gotten real popular on hunting with. Is it? I mean, it's hard to tell you that which one does sells more than the other. It's up right. to the end. You know, it's got to where if, when ducks get shy, you don't want a loud call. You don't want to blow them away. No, and you know what? That's one thing I see here late in the season. Honestly, is when guys start opening up on those calls, and they they're they're trying to get the ducks' attention, and those ducks are hundreds of yards away. Uh, you, you just watch the ducks, and all of a sudden you'll see them just kind of pivot and head in another direction. And uh, you know, late in the season, I mean, it's just usually a five note call, and it's just low end, and maybe some single quacks, a little feeding. But that's that's honest to God, that's when I break out the whistle the most. Oh yeah, when they get when they get in close to you late in the season, you got to be a little bit more finessier. Oh yeah, your helm out. You know, I I don't I don't understand all this lingo they use because I guess they got different lingo like calling them on the wing and all this other stuff. You know, well I usually go with how I see the duck. You know, if he got his wings, you cup and he just floating in, I just leave him alone and kind of maybe cluck at him a little or maybe a little light quack or, or a little something like that. But I'm not gonna try and blow him away now. If he starts flapping his wing to head the other way, then I might just kind of heat him a little bit. But, Maybe if they, if they got their wings kept, there better not be anybody in that blind making any kind of noise because that, that's usually a good way to make them go someplace else, you know. I don't claim to be an expert on on on, on uh, 
I can call ducks, but I'm not going to try and tell people how to call ducks because right. there's no way to call ducks. And uh, the way you know, one person may call them one way, another call them another way. It just it's up to the individual. Like one guy likes a daisy cutter, another likes a short barrel. Oh yeah. Um, and the one that likes a short barrel kill them just as many ducks as a guy that likes a daisy cutter. Yeah. You know, it's what they like and what they can do. It's what they have confidence in. You know, I think the, the call you have more confidence in, you're going to sound better on. And, you know, another thing is, and this is something, I know this is going to shock a lot of people tonight listening, but uh, the, the best duck callers and goose callers in the world have days when it doesn't matter what they do. They don't. They can't get a bird to, to come in because they're just not in the mood. You know, if if hunting was that easy, they'd call it shopping, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anything in location. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you being from Arkansas, you know that the guy that has a location with the biggest pile of rice in front of the blind is the guy that's going to get the most bird. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he better not have it rice piled over in front of his blind. Let oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, a buddy of mine out in western Kansas sent me some pictures last year of geese, and I mean thousands and thousands of geese standing on top of wheat piles and, and milo piles out by these grain elevators. They they had such a huge harvest, they had no place to put them, and the trains were all, you know, backed up and swirled up and stuff. And these geese literally had no reason to leave these grain piles. They literally stayed there day and night, you know. Oh, and yeah. they just lived on top of these wheat piles and, and, and grain piles, and, you know, yeah. it was... Well, I'll tell you, say what they say what they want, but I'm gonna tell you what, John Jimbo, they can call them ducks. You know, you hear all this stuff about people blowing contests can't call ducks. Well, that's that's not so. Right. That just you learn to blow one way. Just because you blow up town don't mean you can't call ducks. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody wants to come and go hunting with them, just go and go hunt with them. They'll find out that uh, those two call them just with the, with the best of them, and so can them other people up there. Because I've been with them back there when they can. I, and Jimbo, he knows he's a he's just an old country boy, and mm-hmm. he knows when he came to me for contest calling, he already knew how to call a duck. John already knew how to call a duck when I started teaching him, because his dad had that farm, and he, you know he he knew how to do the, the just the, the basic stuff what it takes to do that. But the contest part is what I taught him. I don't what I do is teach you how to blow the duck call. I cannot teach you how to call a duck. Right. Only you. You've got to go out and learn that yourself, and you've got to pay attention to what you're doing. I mean, you know, I can tell you all day long, when they're here, you do this, and when they're here, you do that. But that might be today. Tomorrow, when they're here, you may not do this. You may have to do something else. Right. You know, it's easy, to, you know. And uh, you really want to call it up, get you about 500 decoys to stick out there. Absolutely. And yeah, the more of them you got, the more. I'll tell you what, you try and work against a field of ducks of about thousand ducks sitting in the field and see if you can call them away from them. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. I guarantee it. I, You know, I've seen some of the best goose callers and duck callers in the world. That that exact scenario, you know. We're, we've got 250 decoys out in this spread, and uh, a half a mile, three-quarters of a mile away from us, on the other side of this fence where it's a federal refuge, there's probably 5,000 geese, okay? And... Yep. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many decoys you got. I don't care how many flags you got. I don't care how many titles you got under your belt. You have got a better chance of getting hit by a meteorite than you do of getting a, a bird to swing into your decoys. You know, well, I mean, it's just what I'm talking about. You hear all these. You hear these people talk about. You know, them guys on Main Street. Or, you know, and most people blow on Main Street. They blow our call. They blow the other guys' calls. You know, all these. You got 
up there, you got so many people, you probably got 20 different duck calls up there. And and if they say because they're why you and they people on stage they can't call a duck. Well, they can call the duck. If they couldn't call a duck, it couldn't blow the duck call away. They're blowing it anyway. True. Because the purpose of blowing on the call that away is to actually be able to do anything you want on the duck call. That means if you got to get high, you can get high. Right. You've also got to get low in a contest. It it it's expanded from when we blew. You had to blow completely like a duck. Now they've expanded it out. And what the purpose of it is up there to see if you can hit that high note and hold it and bring it down to that low note without messing up. And uh, like on the on the on the comeback, that step up and stuff is to see if you can go from a low quack to a higher quack to a higher quack without squawking it. Mm-hmm. In other words, if a duck leaving, you know, when a duck leaving, you go quack quack, and he goes further, you go quack 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 quack, he goes further, you go quack 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 quack, you get louder. Right. You get him start begging him back. And when they're real high and out there, the reason you're doing that real long high hail call is hoping that that bunch of ducks out there that that look little can hear one of the quacks and maybe turn. And it has happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, whether the duck call turned them or not, but they have fallen off or not. Fell out of the bunch and come on in. You know, and that's the reason for it. And I know a lot of people will think I'm crazy, but I've been called worse. <laughs> I know for a fact I have. I don't know about you, but... I've been called, hey. you can't even publish. What? A lot of things I've been called, you can't even publish. <laughs> well, uh, you know, there's... Most there's a, think I'm just a cantankerous old... Well, I better not say the word. Right? The word fart? Right. Is that what you're looking for? Oh, no, it ain't that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Oh, man. I My problem is because I don't BS people. Right. I mean, I'm just right straight at them. I mean, oh, nothing wrong with that. Like because of that, because you know, I'm the type of person. That, and like when John first started taking lessons, you know, he walked up to me out of the youth center when I first started, and he, I didn't know him from I didn't know him from nobody. And he was just a kid with that. And he walked up to me and he, he wanted to know if I'd teach him duck calling. And I looked at him. I said, "Who are you?" And he told me, "John Stevens." And I said, "Be old shop, two o'clock Saturday." And I turned around, and walked off. <laughs> and that's why a lot of people, you know, that just. I might say something, I might not. Well, when he showed up on Saturday, that afternoon on Saturday, like I told you, he showed up to shop. Well, I'm sitting in the recliner, and my dog Pepper, she's laying on the couch over there, and we're watching Conan the Barbarian. Uh-huh. And John walked in, and I didn't say a word to him. And he sat down in that chair, and I didn't say anything, because finally the movie, the end of the movie, Conan the Barbarian, it went off. But when they went off, I looked over at him. I said, go in there and blow. And he looked over at me and said, blow what? I said, go in there and blow what you know how to blow. Let's see what you can do. And he went in there. He was scared to death of me. <laughs> he was still on the board. Uh-huh. And, you know, and then he finally got he, he got used to me. He, you know, if I'm sitting there and my mind's on one thing, that's what I do. And that's just me. And a lot of people, like, well, you know, they don't, they don't really know me. They get to know me and they know different. But getting to know me, and, you know, I'm not... I'm not as mean as everybody is. I, you know, I got a, I got a big old bark, a little bit of bite. Well, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I'm a, but now when it when it comes to kids, uh, they're just soft spot there. They just, you know, a kid can walk in here and he's wanting a duck call, and uh, you know, and he's sitting there. I can tell by looking at him, and he's wanting that duck call, and it just depends. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't, and I walk out and I'll say, here, now you got your duck call. And the right. first thing I do is I teach him how to do the quack, teach him how to do the cooking, and I tell him. I say, now, the next time I see you, 
you going to learn how to blow this duck call? He says, yes, sir. And I said, all right, next time I see you, you better be able to blow this duck call. I said, because if you ain't, you're either going to have to give the duck call back or you're going to have to pay for it. And, you know, I've had several of them come back and, buddy, they learn how to blow a duck call. But they know yeah. how to blow it when they leave here. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people, and I've I've never heard anybody say anything bad about you, you know, but that's just, maybe I just don't pay attention. You know, you always hear certain people in this industry, they're always talking crap about somebody. And, you know, the the, the bad thing about it is, I would rather have someone tell me straight up how they are about things and and know from the get-go what they're all about, as opposed to somebody that, you know, acts like they're your friend, they're your buddy, and all they're trying to do is figure out what you got going on so they can steal your idea and capitalize on it because there's there's a few snakes like that out there in this business that uh frankly i don't have much use for and i know uh, all about this stuff but i'll tell you one thing as long as they're talking about me they're leaving everybody else alone well that i guess that's one way to look at it you know? they, they're leaving everybody else alone well how long do you plan on on keep doing this seriously i mean you've been you've been at this for a long time now and i mean you don't have any plans on on retiring i mean you only got a three-year-old heart right so you're your old heart then say so you know because it's the body I got to worry about, I think. <laughs> well, you know, as long as you can keep dragging yourself down to the shop, you know, and you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's right. Drag it. I'm gonna have to drag down there now. <laughs> well, how how old was Chick when he passed away? Uh, seventy, I think seventy-two. Okay. I think it might have been seventy-three. I can't remember exactly. He was in the seventies though. Well, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about him and his calls and. And I, I don't own any of his calls. I've always kind of kept an eyeball out for one of them, trying to find one for my collection, but um, never able to find one that somebody doesn't want an arm and a leg and you're firstborn for. Because they know uh, their money now. But I'll tell you where you can find them and get them for cheap. You, you believe well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that off the air, okay? You go to yard sales. Yeah. And it'll surprise you. And what you'll find out at a yard sale. Yeah. I, I bought a duck call at a yard sale. He bought it for fifty dollars, worth about four hundred. Oh, I've I've run across deals like that, but not not so lucky as with duck calls. Mostly with old fishing lures and stuff. Yeah. I, I ran across an estate sale with the old boy. I got there too late to buy any of the lures, but he had saved every box from every lure he had ever bought back in the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties, with the the paper cards with the paper inside of them that showed how to use them and the different uh, little little lures that the company sold. Okay, and a, a box in excellent condition with with the paper in it is worth more than the lure. Okay? Oh yeah, because nobody saved boxes. I don't know what this guy did, but he saved the boxes, and I I, I bought every one of them, and I oh, it was it was a good day. <laughs> my wife thought I'd lost my friggin' mind. She goes, "You paid how much for those?" And I told her, and she goes, "And they're worth what? Why?" And I told her, I and she thought I'd lost my mind. I put. I put one of them on eBay just to prove a point because it was a duplicate. <laughs> she about crap when she saw how much. Oh, you done with that damn crazy, didn't you? Oh yeah, she uh, thought I'd lost my mind. You know. <laughs> well, it's been right. It's all, all good. Lost, people think I lost mine a long time ago, so, and I probably did. I didn't get a brain transplant, just a heart transplant. <laughs> well, seriously, how long do you think you're going to keep doing this? I mean, what's what's next? As long as I can. Okay. As long as I can. All right. Do you think you're ever going to be able to talk John into into letting you make some calls and putting your name on them and th- those old handmade ones like you with, uh, at the lathe? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not even, I don't know what I want to get over and make one or not. I don't even know if I still can. <laughs> oh, I bet you probably could in your sleep if you knew it. 
a lot of that's a lot of work to get over and do that. Well, I know, but he, he would probably let me buy the Uh huh. Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting my little mitts on one of them if you ever decided to make any more like the old days, you know, the old walnut barrel, the old cedar insert, no band, oh, yeah. just plain Jane Duck oh, call. If I was to ever make any, I, I, I can tell you one thing: they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be as cheap as these calls now. Right. <laughs> because if I made them, it would be the last ones I made. <laughs> so you're saying it'd cost me more than fifty bucks? Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> Dang, Butch. All right, fine, whatever. Be surprised. I, I might, might, might make me you deal on one. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the way you put that word in there, might. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lord. Well, if it, ever, if it ever came down to that, I'd probably pay you whatever you're wanting for one, because I'd love to get my little <laughs> hands on one of them. If you I know. would ever do it, it would be the last ones I made, and the last ones you make are worth more than the first ones you make. I don't think so. You know, there's probably going to be a lot of people prowling around over there, you know, roughing kids up for any duck calls they might have had from you from back in the 60s and the early 70s. So, um, real quick here, guys, we've got we've got a little bit less than than two minutes left on the live part of this show. Uh, we're going to be on here for a few more minutes, and then I'm going to have to sign off. But uh, I just but you stay right there. I just want to tell everybody that, that tuned in tonight. Thank you very much for tuning in. I enjoyed uh, the show very much tonight. I'm glad y'all were able to be here. Uh, again, I know you guys can spend your hour, hour and a half, whatever it is, someplace else, uh, but you chose to be here with us, and I appreciate that, and I, I, from the bottom of my heart, I do appreciate it. So, anyway, Butch, back to yeah. you now. Um, are, are you you're still you're still coaching baseball, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I and, coach with my doctor. And you you plan on doing that for ever and a day? Yeah, I go out each couple of days each week and work with the kids now. One of the kids I'm working with right now is John's kid, uh, Reese. Uh-huh. Teach them on baseball, too. Teach him duck calling and teach him on baseball. We do that twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right uh-huh. now, they don't play games. They just go out and practice. Right. Yep. I coached this year with uh, Dr. Morgan, my my doctor, and we won, the, won our league. And... We had a good time. The kids, they like doing it. So as long as they ask, I go out and work with them. I'm, you know, that's me. That's just, you know, that's awesome. I don't know of too many people, honestly, in this industry um, that that do as much, you know, in the community as you do. And and I'm not, I'm being real serious about that. I mean, I don't, I can't think of a single person that does, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, for all those people out there that say, "Yeah, the negative stuff," because, I, yeah, I do. I do it because I like to do it. I don't do it to, for any other reason. I mean, I just people always uh, did stuff for me when I was growing up, so I do stuff for them now. Yeah. And that's, that's, like I said, I could be rich if it hadn't been, but I, I chose the other route. And that's my. If I ain't got anything, it's my own fault and nobody else. And I don't regret one bit of it, and I turn around and do the same thing again. Well, that's cool. Sure. I mean, uh, money is not everything. No, it's not. And you know what? It's There's a lot of guys that, that never figure that out. They never figure that out. And, yeah. you know. The, there are probably a lot of people out there that, that, that don't like me, but they don't know me. But there's a lot of people that do like me and they do know me. Yeah. And, you know. That's just you. Know, I can't please everybody, and I don't try. And you know, I, I, I started making duck calls because I wanted to make 
searching for an apartment, and we're still searching for a perfect one, and we'll be searching for the perfect one next year because I don't know that the perfect one is out there. Right. But, hey, I'll tell you one thing about it. you got to say what you want. I started it, the company, and John has made it where it's at, and John's always trying to improve it and and make it better and mm-hmm. make it where it is. And you got to get the credit where the credit's due. Yeah. Do you still do you still play a pretty active role in the company aside from you know tuning calls and stuff like that? Oh yeah, I go I go I judge contests and I go do like this weekend I'm going to Paducah. I got to judge the meat calling contest there and on Friday night I got to be up on Friday I got to do a thing for kids. I go mm-hmm. do a thing in Indiana each year I do a thing uh, for kids in uh, in Indiana and uh, where, there's a few other places that I go and. I'll put on in Kennett, Missouri. I'll go up in October, and I'll do a thing. And I went to the schools last year and each of the schools and had all of them. They brought all the kids in, and I showed all the kids out blow duck call and brought them up and picked out some. They raised their hand, and I'd bring them up, and I'd get them to They didn't know they knew how to blow a duck call. I got, they got, they walked away from that duck call. They knew how to say quack, and they knew how to say tucker. Huh. And that's my belief. And when a guy comes in and, he buys a duck call, and I ask him to blow it, and he does no, and I show him how to blow it. And when he walks out, he can do a quack, and he can do a cooking. And that's our motto right there. They need, everybody buys one, and we're going to show them how to blow it. And that's what I believe that ought to be done. Mm-hmm. And we try to make, you know, on our calls, if anybody has a problem with our calls, it's sticking or anything, they just call, and we'll get it taken care of. I'll, I'll assure you of that. We will get it taken care of. If we got one out there that's bad, they say call and send it back to us, and we'll get it we'll get it fixed. Well, you can't ask for anything better than that, can you? That, that is a that is a fact. That is not a myth, you know. And so, I mean, don't don't get on there and complain. Just give us a chance and send the call back to us, and we'll get the call fixed. We'll either fix that rascal or we'll replace it. One of two. Right. Is that well, the way customer service. We, I, <clears throat> I was going to say in this in this day and age of the computer. You know, as well as I do, customer service is very important. And if somebody's not happy, uh, they get on the computer and start complaining and pissing and moaning. And before you know it, 8 million people know about it. Yeah, know? and you had not even talked to the person who made it yet. Yeah. There's a lot of that out there, too. There's a lot oh, of that yeah. out there, too. There's something you ain't going to please no matter what you do. Right. I mean, no matter what you do, you know that. You make calls. I mean, no, oh, matter yeah. What, yep. no matter what you do, there's something that you ain't going to please no matter what you do. Well, you know, I found out more about about people and their their little idiosyncrasies and their quirks when I was in the restaurant business. That you know, there there is a certain group of people out there that they have lives that are so screwed up and pathetic that their single biggest enjoyment is complaining and pissing and moaning about you know their food or their service or something, and it just makes them feel good to scream and yell at another human being at somebody that they think because they've given money to them they have the right to do that. Oh, yeah, and I know. Uh, there's there's an old saying in the restaurant business: customers always right. <laughs> I'm here to yeah, tell you. that's why you got to. That's why you got to try to please him. Yeah, well, sometimes the customers wrong. <laughs> Only go so far with that too. Oh yeah, yeah. The whole the whole you know lose their freaking mind and start screaming and yelling at you like a bugger eating. Yeah, that's too far. Yeah. Before the before you even know what the problem is. Exactly. Well, boss, I tell you what, I've got a, I've got to work on a call tonight that I've got to ship off to some old guy over there in Arkansas. We're off the radio, ain't we? No, we're still on the radio. Oh, we're still on the radio? 
Yep, we're just not live. We're, this is still oh. being recorded. You weren't oh. going to get all crazy and say something wild, were you? Oh. Okay. <laughs> no. Oh. I thought okay. we were off radio. I didn't know. No, no we're, we're off now, but... Uh, it's it, the live part of the show ended at an hour and a half, and so we've been on here for another twelve minutes or so, okay. uh, just chit chatting. So, um, Butch, I, you know, I'm going to get that call finished up, and it'll probably be out sometime midweek. You know, okay. headed your way. Um, it ain't going to be nothing fancy, and don't take it apart and make fun of it, and call me up and make fun of my calls. Hey, I don't have that going to happen. What's that? Don't have it. I don't make fun of that. I don't do okay. that. Well, you might be tempted to. I'm just tempted to say Well, you know, I, it's it's a pleasure, and I'm I'm honestly I'm very honored that you even asked. You know, oh, uh, I, so. I don't know why you'd be honored. I'm nobody. <laughs> well, maybe not to you, but you are to me. So I mean, it, this this is a, this was a bigger deal for me to get you on this show than you can possibly imagine. I mean, seriously. Probably look on that internet tomorrow. That probably really tearing me up tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, the, the, that's that's the thing. People. They hear things about people until they get to know the person. They they just assume that what they've heard is true, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of what I like about this show. They get a, they get a chance to see the side of the people that they haven't seen before, you know. Yeah. Or they they get to leave their preconceived ideas at the door and yeah. and just get get a chance to know the person, you know. This so is maybe I changed some people's minds. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you did. Maybe you did. I think you did. You know. Yeah. So. Well, the real me, whether they know it or not. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, for what you what you've done for the last forty some odd years with the kids and in baseball and, and working with them down there at the at the rec center and doing the clinics and God knows you're not making any money doing the clinics, you know. Oh, uh, I don't pay one dime for that and I want that understood. I know, I know I mean that's painfully evident. Nobody's making any money at that. That that's just and Chamber gets that money. Yeah. Well even and they give each guy pays for the trophies and get there's enough money there to pay for the trophies and give each kid a, a, a t-shirt. Well, even before, you know, before John but came I, along and started doing it, you weren't making any money at that. I don't want people thinking I get that because I don't not one right. penny. I ain't never charged anybody for no duck call list. Right. Well, now, I will tell you one thing. One time I gave a guy a lesson and he he left some money for me. Right. I didn't even know that till he'd done gone or he wouldn't have left it. <laughs> Not much you can do. I have that happen to me all the time. People I don't even know just walk up to me, give me wads of money, and turn around and walk off. It's just, yeah. well, I don't know why. They do it. <laughs> I got <laughs> maybe it's that. Maybe it's that sign I got. I don't know. What the heck? But I anyway. I even got tips for tuning a guy's duck off. <laughs> really? Yeah. Good God. <laughs> man, you keep it up, man. You might be able to turn that into regular business, that whole duck calling tuning thing. to do it, 
and just to promote your calls and stuff, it probably would be an ab, an abject failure, you know. But yeah. where you're doing it to try to help the kids and have them let them have fun and, and enjoy it, uh, that's the main thing. And and the the positive that comes out of for for RNT calls is just a sideshow kind of a thing, you know. Oh. The main thing is the kids are having fun, and that's what you were going for. And because of that, uh, you know, the rest of the rest of the, the stuff that happens is, you know, it's gravy, man, and that's just oh, all good. So, you know what? I, I wish there was more guys like you that were that were doing more stuff like that for the industry. I really do. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that that talk the talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk when it comes to doing stuff with kids and and trying to get more involved in the community. I, I guarantee you. But I got, I got, I got, I got the backup to prove what I do. Yeah. I mean, all you gotta do is come down there and ask. People will tell you, and it doesn't matter where they're from or who they are. It don't matter to me. Right. You know, Pee-wee's willing to learn, and I'll teach him. Good. And I can teach him. There's one thing I can do, and I don't. I, I will pat my back on it, and I'm good at it. So I can teach a person to blow a duck call. Well, that's evident. Good God, you got like between four and six thousand little rugrats out there running around with, <laughs> with, with you know, I can butch, do, I can butch do that. Duck calls. I, I can teach somebody blue duck call. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one thing that 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 I guess has probably helped get where we're at is that I can do that. Yeah. I mean, because I I not only blew it when Chick not only taught me when I was watching him, I also studied it while I was doing it. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like homework. It was like school. I mean, I actually studied. I studied everything he showed everybody, and I studied how he did everything. He showed me how to make different sounds in the call, and I just studied it, and I figured. And he'd say, he'd show me something, and I'd how you do that, and he'd show me, and say, now you figure it out, and I had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. When I hear a sound, I figure out how they do it, and then I do it until I get it. I got so mad one day, and I was trying to figure out something. That, when I worked at youth center, I got so mad, I threw the duck call, and I threw it up against the wall, and my damn watch come off. It was a brand spanking new watch. It come off and broke the watch and didn't even break the duck call. <laughs> you think that didn't teach me a lesson about that? <laughs> it didn't even break. It didn't even break the duck call, and broke, my watch uh, come off the arm, and we hit the hit the brick. The, you know what? That would have made an awesome TV commercial. Yeah, and it, it, the watch just broke apart. That, that that would have made an awesome TV commercial. I was able to try and learn, but I want you to know that's exactly how I learned how to blow the feed call. Hmm. I was going to be the fast guy on the feed call, and I learned how to do it. I'll but be No, I couldn't. I just kept on, and I kept on until I figured out how to do it. And I can do the feed call in about five different ways. Five you different remember? Ways. You remember what? You remember what kind of watch it was? Uh, it was a, a Timex. Oh my God! You're kidding me. Timex. All right. Okay. You remember those old those old Timex commercials where they would take that thing and strap it onto somebody or strap it onto something and and tear that thing up and they'd say and then they'd show you the watch after the after the thing was over and they go Timex. Don't do that. Takes say on me. <laughs> yeah. Timex takes a licking but keeps on ticking. Okay. Yeah. And then and here's what you should have done. You should have had Butch Rich and Mock Duck calls stronger than Timex. <laughs> Uh, it did. It, when that brought you at that brick wall, I don't care what you say. It's gonna come apart. I don't care. I'm telling you. I can tell you right level. now. That would have been that would have been a TV commercial that would have just man. You, you talk now about that, having these acrylics. I took an acrylic one day and and uh, hit it with a hammer at the old shop and mm-hmm. hit piece. 
I didn't like the way it blew, and I, I had a sledgehammer. And I took that thing, I laid down here with a sledgehammer, sledgehammer didn't bust it, that thing flew out from under there, and busted all my light bulbs out in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. You can't remember McCullum. He was there when I did it. <laughs> it. It flew up there and busted all the light bulbs out of the shop, never busted the end piece. <laughs> I hit it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, about my luck. I don't have any. <laughs> luck, I would handle luck. What, what is it they say? If it wasn't for bad luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all? That's me. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll tell you what. That's great. That's great. Yep. That's great. Well, I'll tell you what. It's getting to be about that time. I've got to I've got to sign off here in a few minutes, and you've got a long day in front of you tomorrow. I can tell you right now, you're going to get a lot of phone calls tomorrow at the shop, so just be prepared. Oh my and god, <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'll be sick tomorrow. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, calling sick tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> but but seriously, Butch, I I really truly enjoyed having you on here, and I would absolutely love to get you to come back again sometime. I enjoyed it. You just holler. We'll come back. All right. Next well, time we come back, do we'll, we'll do a little show them how to call. All right. We'll do that, man. Okay. I'll do that. We have a calling clinic on there. Well, that would be good. That would be yeah. good. That would be freaking awesome if we could do that. Um, that and I'll, I'll tell you right now, we're going to be heading that direction in October for the real foot thing. And when we get done um, over there at that, we're going up to Nashville to see some friends up there, and they're going to swing back through. We might just come back through Stuttgart to to see you guys and see uh, Max Prairie Wings and stuff. Yeah, you need to do that. All right. I'm that far out of the way. All right, and uh, you'll have to introduce me to your new dog, Princess. I've got I've got a real sorry sweet spot for labs, especially yellow ones. So yeah, she's probably mad because I ain't been home to let her out yet. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, you get you get home and take care of her, and we will talk to you again real soon. Okay. Oh, good doggy. All right. Good. Thanks, Butch. Good night. Hope I didn't make very many people mad. Ah, uh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Bye. Thanks a lot. Loved having you on, man. Okay? Okay. Uh, be, be good. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is going to conclude the show for tonight. Um, we had, oh, man, you know, the, the length of time that I've been doing this show and, and before that when I got into call making, you know, you hear all these stories about different people, you know, and I, I got to tell you, um, I heard Butch was real cantankerous, real hard to get along with, but he has been absolutely nothing but a gentleman uh, all the time that I called him and bugged him and asked him about coming on and stuff. Uh, he was right, right up front about what he would do and what he wouldn't do. Uh, he was he was really nice about it, and never never a moment did did I see any of that crap that I heard about, you know, uh, about him, you know, not once. Um, I know that you know a lot of people uh, say things about people that because they heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody, and everybody tends to embellish things as they go along. And you know, I personally I learned something from this because you know I I had other expectations about what the show would turn into. And after talking to Butch a few times in the show last night and the, the pre-show interview last night, I came to the conclusion that a lot of the crap that I'd heard was just that crap, you know. The man, uh, he, he talks the talk and he walks the walk. I mean, I can't think of another person out there that has probably done more for this industry than than Butch, okay? And, I mean, whether you want to look at the, the number of kids that he's taught how to use a duck call and got involved in the sport, 
or just just his activity and his involvement in the community over there in that part of the world is just nothing short of amazing. It really is. Uh, I mean, seriously, <laughs> somebody name somebody else that, that has that has done that much work in the community. I mean, that 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 can document it, where it's like the real deal. It's not just a fantasy. It's it's the real deal. I know we all talk about getting more involved and getting people involved in the sport and doing stuff. And uh, I tell you what, if if each one of us had a little bit of butch. You know, and us maybe, uh, the world would probably be a better place. You know, uh, help had, taking kids in and helping them out, getting getting them on the right foot and on the right path, and and doing the right thing. Like I said, it's uh, a little harder to do uh, than than most folks realize, and it's a lot easier to say and a lot harder to do than than most people want to deal with. So, anyway, I want to tell you again, thanks a lot for being with me tonight and with Butch. Uh, it was an awesome show, I thought, but you know, I'm a little biased. Um, but I want to tell you guys thanks again for coming on and listening to the show uh, and for your support, your suggestions, your ideas. We have got, like I said, we've got an awesome lineup coming up here in the next several weeks. I'm just going to go through it again. we got Wayne Betts next week. After that, we have Joe Coulter. we got Kent Cullum. Uh, he's going to be talking about his new line of calls, the Hobo Calls. we got Bobby Hayes of Ducklander Calls. Now, Bobby's been on before, but Bobby's going to start doing – a, a little segment with us every week about uh, waterfowl updates. Okay, and uh, so he's going to be on the week after Kent Cullum. Then Todd Aloffs is coming on, and then you know I don't have the list in front of me, but we've got quite a few awesome guys coming into October and November and December. And one thing we're going to do in December, and I haven't quite exactly settled on the date for it yet, but in December we're going to have kind of a a, a big. Uh, oh, I don't know what you want to call it, roundtable kind of discussion. It's going to be a two-hour-long show, and we're going to probably have two of them. We're going to have some call makers from, from the east part of the world, and we're going to have some call makers from the west part of the world. Um, that they're, going to, they're not going to be the, the more well-known guys. They're going to be people that are fairly new, uh, small custom call makers, give you a chance to listen to them, talk about their products, and we're going to have like five of these guys on each show. Okay. So it's going to be a two-hour-long show, uh, two times, maybe even three times in December. Who knows? Uh, and we're going to be getting some some names and some some products out there in front of you guys that you haven't heard of before. Maybe you have. I don't know. Uh, but these guys, they don't they don't uh, get a whole lot of uh, notoriety, you know, outside of their their, their regional areas. Uh, but there are some flat-out awesome duck call makers out there and goose call makers out there you may not have heard of. And this is going to be their chance to uh, to get on the show and to uh, introduce themselves to you. So um, I've already got a pretty good list of some folks coming. But if you guys have got anybody in mind that you'd like to have on the show in December or any other time for that matter, please, by all means, email me. Uh, the email here at the show is kellyoutdoors at sbcglobal.net. And uh, I try to answer each and every one of my emails. Uh, I may not get to it the very day you send it in. But I promise you, I will get to it and I will respond. Okay, I don't have a a gaggle of people that work for me. I, it's me and my multiple personalities, and that's it. So you know, deal with it. Okay. So you know, anyway, thanks again for coming out and listening to the show. Like I said, you guys can spend your time anywhere else, but you chose to spend it here, and I truly appreciate it more than you know. Okay. God bless y'all. Have a good night, and we will talk to you again next week. Okay. Bye bye.